Welcome to DVE Rocks live from training camp on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by FedEx, where now meets next. Also brought to you by LeCon, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine with campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. By Excella Health, expert care here. By your neighborhood Ford store. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. And now, here's your hosts, Bob Labriola and Mike Prezuda. Good evening, welcome to the Rivers Casino and welcome to DVE Rocks. It's the second of our three weekly Steelers training camp specials coming at you on a Monday night tonight from the Rivers Casino. We'll be here a week from tomorrow, Tuesday, to wrap things up for training camp 2021. Uh, Mike Prasuda, along with Bob Labriola, will be here until 9 o'clock tonight in labs. We are not in uh, our beloved Westmoreland County, but uh, the digs here at the Rivers Casino, I got to say, they agree with me. I don't know about you. I'm here to talk Steelers and root tonight for the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about that because that's baseball, which is uh, a no-fly zone for me. But, um, yeah, I, I love this. Uh, this is this is our second show here. We were here last week. Uh, I like this a lot. Um, you know, it's home away from home. Yeah, it really does feel that way. And uh, if you've been here, you know what we're talking about. If you don't, if you haven't been here, you should get down here and check it out. The Steelers have played a game since we last spoke last week. And uh, – uh, in, in honor of Bill Cowher, uh, I don't know if you saw my write-up for Steelers.com, but uh, the lead was it was no, no Mozart, Mozart. <laughs> because it, it wasn't pretty, and I don't imagine it sounded all that good. But they win the game 16-3 to and uh, accomplished what I thought were some significant things for a first of four preseason games. Just uh, let's start with uh, kind of a ballpark, sorry, an overview of uh, what you maybe liked or didn't like. Well, you know, I think when, whenever you're talking about, as you mentioned, the first of four preseason games, uh, you have to, you know, view it within the context of what it is. And uh, I thought it was pretty impressive uh, that the Steelers played the game pretty clean. Um, three penalties, one turnover, you know, those kinds of things. There were no burn timeouts because whoever the quarterback was couldn't get the team out of the huddle. Uh, and at the line of scrimmage, get the ball snapped. There weren't a lot of the slappy things, you know, that we have come to see even in regular season games. Um, we have seen them. We yes. have seen them. You know, when when the the defense lined up, everybody was covered, quote unquote. Uh, on offense, they had eleven guys out there. I mean, everybody knew the snap count. And you know, while this might seem like, um, you know, minutia or uh, things that you should be able to assume, uh, it's not the case uh, because uh, training camp, uh, the situations in which these teams are practicing, you know, a lot of this stuff is, I won't say it's ignored, but it's not necessarily emphasized in a practice setting as it would be in a game setting. It certainly, and, it gets maybe taken for granted. Yes, taken for granted. And then it yep. falls through the cracks, right. and then all of a sudden you got ten guys out there for punt return. Right. Uh, and, you know, throughout the game, and especially, again, as the first of four preseason games, there's a lot of substitutions. And a lot of substitutions on a lot of the units, special teams, as you mentioned, you know, you only have ten guys on a punt return. Well, they didn't have any of those problems. They had 
pretty much 11 guys out there all the time. And Yeah, Mike Tomlin even commented about that. He said, it sounds funny to say that that's a good thing, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, uh, you know, I, I thought that a lot of those kinds of things, you know, it was good effort. Um, you know, a lot of the basics, basics, basics. Uh, I thought that the Steelers showed up. They played with energy. They played clean. Um, you know, they didn't collapse. Uh, you know, there were some early sudden change, as they call it, on a turnover. Uh, the defense held, made them kick a field goal. The next time they were down in the red zone, attempted a field goal. Trey Norwood, I believe, was the one who got his hand on it and missed it badly. I mean, there were, there were some things that, that the team showed uh, over the course of the early portion of the game that, um, you know, you like to see from a team. And then I think that kind of set the course. Everything stabilized, settled down a little bit, and it gave the Steelers an opportunity to find their footing and then they went on and won the game. So, um, you know, it was no Mozart for sure. But, uh, again, a decent start. Uh, you're in training camp, what, seven, eight days maybe uh, in pads, maybe half that amount of time. So it was it was a decent, um, decent performance. Uh, dress rehearsal, not even close to that. But, again, um, you know, you just didn't see a lot of – blown assignments you didn't see a lot of guys turned loose uh by the defense who were wide open you, you you didn't see a lot of the slappiness that you often do you know early in an nfl season or early in an nfl preseason so um before we get into a lot of details or specifics about units and individuals and how they performed i think that the team um made a decent accounting of itself for what that was yeah, and I, I think that kind of played into the point I wanted to make. It, they, they sort of had their details covered and their boxes checked individually and unit by unit. And that, that led to uh, something that Mike Tomlin, I'm sure we'll hear him reference it throughout the course of the regular season, uh, you know, complementary football, the, the offense, defense, and special teams picking each other up. And you mentioned uh, the, the uh, punt return and then the interception. You know, the offense had tough going in the first half, but they they turn it over on the first possession and the defense forces a field goal on uh, a drive that reached the five-yard line. Then in the second half, they get the uh, long punt return by Matthew Sexton. That set up a score. Then they get an interception. That set up a score. Then they get a fourth-down stop on the Dallas side of the 50. That set up a score. Hey, the offense wasn't great, but it didn't need to be. It just needed to take advantage of some short fields and, and take what was there for the taking. Right, and, and oftentimes – that that's the way a regular season game goes as well. Uh, you know the the what what was impressive to me that after the turnover, the Cowboys drove the ball down. I, I believe inside the 15 yard line, maybe it was a goal to go situation. They got it to the five. I don't know what the exact okay. down and distance. But was. then Alex Highsmith makes a play on second down. Uh, nice spin move on the left tackle makes a sack. You know what? It was first and goal at the five. Then they got to the four on a run, and then they got pushed back. Okay. So Highsmith sack was second down, turned into third down, and then Trey Norwood uh, broke up a pass on third down, fourth down, then you bring on the field goal uh, unit for the Cowboys. And so, it was good pressure by Highsmith and Antoine Brooks flush, yes. flushing and then hurrying the throw. So, yeah, it all. Yes, I mean, and that's that's really, you know, 
in the NFL today, and I've said this a bunch of times, and I really believe this, um, you know, it's situational defense is what wins in the league now. You don't have to – you can't be the 76 Steelers and just stop people, and they don't gain any yards, no first downs, they're punting the ball all the time. TV doesn't like that. I understand that. Uh, neither neither does the league, uh, and the league loves TV. So yeah, well, that's probably go. the same thing. Uh, and so you have to make plays in situations, and they did that. And, um, you know, let me say this. If they continue to do that in the games of continent standings, they'll win a bunch of them. Yeah, as uh, a wise man once said, uh, I believe his last name was Noel, uh, the way to win a game is first, don't lose it. There you go. And I thought that was clearly a game that Dallas lost for a variety of reasons between the turnovers and the poor place kicking and uh, getting beat on special teams, giving up the big return. Yeah. Uh, Take it. Right. Thank you. Take the win on the Philadelphia. On the Philadelphia. So let me ask you. Uh, let's uh, let's go for some low hanging fruit here to start things off. Uh, quarterback behind Ben Roethlisberger. The way they lined up at the start of camp was Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, Josh Dobbs. They're still that way on the depth chart. The rotations in practice, for the most part, are going that way. Uh, do you see a any movement there, or b any potential for movement either way? Well, I mean potential is you know that that to me is is an opinion um and i think that a lot of that has to do with who you like if you're a fan of dwayne haskins or you hate mason rudolph you're looking at things and saying yeah i think that um rudolph can be unseated as the backup if you like rudolph and think haskins is you know just a a guy they brought in then you're looking at it the other way but i believe that if if you try and objectively assess the performance of each of those guys in the game against Dallas, I don't think either one of them did anything to impact the pecking order that you just described one way or the other. In other words, nobody did anything that good to move up and nobody did anything that bad to move back. And let me let me be clear here. The, the doing bad to move back might be a bigger factor in how it ends up than the doing good to move up because um, jobs have to be lost as well as won and a, a lot of times especially at the quarterback position when coaches are trying to make a decision in terms of because when you're talking about the second or third quarterback you're talking about the guy who gets a helmet and the guy who does not on games game days in the games that come and so you know, Dwayne Haskins, as an example, just because he's currently three. Dwayne Haskins, as an example, you know, having a good practice, having two good practices, having a week of good practices, maybe playing a little bit better than Mason Rudolph in a preseason game might not necessarily be enough if Mason Rudolph doesn't screw up. Because if he doesn't screw up, they're going to look at it as, well, this guy has, you know, one games for us as a starter. Um, he's been with us longer. We know him. He knows us. Let's play it safe and stick with him. Uh, so any change, I believe, uh, at the quarterback position where we're talking about it in terms of uh, is the backup going to be different? Uh, is a guy going to move another guy either out of that uh, game day roster or maybe 
you know, as we saw with Landry Jones uh, some years ago, Josh Dobbs not only moved him off that backup role, but off the roster. Um, for that to happen here, I think that the guy currently with the job, and that's Mason Rudolph, is going to have to screw it up. And I haven't seen uh, enough, a, a degree of screw-up sufficient that uh, a change is going to be imminent. Now, that could change, uh, again, you know, after the Eagles game when we're here next Tuesday in this very same fine location talking about where they are with the quarterbacks. Maybe, you know, my opinion is totally different. And, you know, that can be okay too. But right now, based on that first preseason game, I, I don't think the depth chart of quarterback has changed. Yeah, I, I think Rudolph has maybe left the door open and or Haskins has uh, nudged it open a little bit uh, based on, you know, coming off the street as a doesn't cost you anything tryout and then not really impressing anybody in the springtime but looking pretty good once the shoulder pads came on. Uh, Rudolph had the missed exchange with Chase Claypool, uh, the, the turnover, and uh, he also had uh, a two-minute drive early in training camp that Mike Tomlin found annoying because he threw the ball in front of the goal line against the ticking clock with no timeouts, and they couldn't get the offense up to spike the ball. But uh, he's also looked very steady at times, looked very steady at times in the game uh, against Dallas. But uh, one of the things I wanted to hit before our first break here was uh, I found it real interesting uh, when we had a chance to talk with the coordinators on Saturday after the game, and uh, Matt Canada was asked about Dwayne Haskins telling the media a week ago that Mike Tomlin has been referring to him as check down. And, has, you know, has Haskins really been checking it down, or what's up with this? Why, why would he go there? And it's Canada's opinion that Tomlin was playing a mind game, and he said uh, some people might hear that and say, oh, you think I'm check down? I'll show you, and then start forcing it downfield and getting it picked off and doing a lot of things you don't want to do. And Canada said that Haskins is taking what's there and distributing the ball where it's supposed to be distributed. Uh, as he put it, he's not letting Tomlin talk him into doing anything silly. And that sounds so typically Mike Tomlin to me to, to just, you know, play a little, uh, little game with a guy just to see how he uh, responds to it. Uh, that could be that that could be true. I, I have no way of knowing. Um, what I continue um, to have in the back of my head is, you know, Mike Tomlin's phrase of seeking comfort. And, you know, one of the things he has said to me a lot of times about these kinds of, I hate to call them evaluations because they're really not, but, you know, perceptions of them. You know, you go in with a bias. Do you like Mason Rudolph better than Dwayne Haskins, or do you like Dwayne Haskins better than Mason Rudolph? And when you go into that, whatever your bias is, you're looking at the competition, quote-unquote, or the performance, the relative performances of the two guys with that in your head. And so, you know, that taints your opinion a little bit. And, um, again, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Matt Canada likes Dwayne Haskins better. Maybe he does. I, I don't, you know, again, uh, I just think that it's really difficult for anyone to be totally neutral on this. And if you're not, uh, it just taints your how you view things. And so um, that's why I just believe that because of Mason Rudolph's history, um, track record as, as thin as it is, still more than you have with Dwayne Haskins. I didn't see enough in the Cowboys game to change. 
the pecking order in the depth chart. And Mike Tomlin has also said that uh, all the quarterback decisions are based on this year. So they're not, there's no, well, what if Ben's not back next year and this guy Haskins was a former number one pick and maybe he'll be a guy who develops and takes it, over. It might be based on 2019. You know what I mean? When he says it's based on this year, I think he's referring to looking forward. But I do think that what Mason Rudolph did, good and bad, in 2019 is in the back of their heads when they're looking at him now and maybe moving forward. Got a lot more to get to tonight. Uh, Bob Labriol along with Mike Pursuta. We're going to be here until 9 o'clock from the Rivers Casino. I want to remind everyone that uh, the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels is available at uh, one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores. Those are located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets. You can also visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Hall of Fame and uh, hear a very interesting story about how Troy Polamalu became a Steeler uh, before he became a Hall of Famer this weekend. With Bob, Le- Bob Labriola, I'm Mike Persuda. You're listening to DVE Rocks right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to DVE Rocks live from training camp presented by FedEx and brought to you in part by Lecom, Bud Light, Excella Health, Ford, and Ireland Contracting on 102.5 DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta along with Bob, Bob Labriola. We're here from the Rivers Casino until 9 o'clock tonight. It's uh, the second of our three training camp specials, DVE Rocks, right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE Labs got a little history lesson for you as we get into some Troy Polamalu talk here. Uh, do you remember a guy by the name of Mike Miller? Yes. Yes, he used to be a PR intern. Went to the Cardinals as a coach. Uh, was part of the Cardinals staff in 2008 that lost Super Bowl 43 to the Steelers. Also did some uh, quality control work as a Steelers coach after he was a PR intern. Yes. And uh, are you aware of the uh, pivotal role he played in the drafting of Troy Polamalu? Um, I'm sure that his version of it is a little different than my recollection, but hey, who am I to get in the way of a good story? Well, it is, it's a great story, and it's uh, detailed in uh, Jim Wexel's book about Troy. We had Jim on here last week, and uh, pretty extensive uh, dive back into what happened and how and uh, Mike was uh, kind enough to join us on the DVE morning show uh, last week. So I want to uh, present uh, that interview to you now and uh, let everybody know who maybe hasn't read the book uh, some of the details of how Troy Polamalu became a Pittsburgh Steeler on the way to the Hall of Fame. Joining us now, Mike Miller. And uh, Mike, a former assistant with the Steelers. A round of applause, oh, yeah. Mike Miller. <laughs> Former assistant with the Steelers, uh, went on to be the uh, wide receivers coach for the Arizona Cardinals when the Steelers played the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, and then also offensive uh, coordinator for the Cardinals and radio partner of myself or me in college and was late all the time, so it was great training for this job (laughs) (laughs) because my partners are late all the time as well. Not all of them. (laughs) Not all of them. Mike is always here, ready to roll. 
You know, that's really where it all started. But, you know, I don't, Mike, I don't think it was every Tuesday morning I was late, but it certainly was uh, the bulk of them. Many and calls. Mike, get out of bed. We're on the air. Yeah, and then I got Val's uh, very cheerful, get your blank over here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, well, how's uh, everybody doing? We're doing great. great. Uh, I, I tore through Jim Wexel's book about Troy Polamalu, and uh, I got to tell you, one of the things I learned reading it, uh, you're the guy. Without you, the Steelers never draft him. Good job. <laughs> Well, you know what, Mike? I really haven't. I never really told that story. And the biggest thing is because, look, there are a lot of people in this business who will gladly take credit for stuff that they've never done. And I've noticed I've seen that. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen it. And uh, it goes on quite a bit. And I never wanted to be one of those guys. And that's why when Jim called me, I was coaching at the Guardians last year. He said, hey, I heard about this. And I said, well, look, Jim, I just want to make it very clear that um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth of what happened. I'm certainly not trying to take credit for what Kevin Colbert, Coach Cower, uh, Phil Kreiler, and all the work. Though, I mean, they're certainly the best at what they do. I said, but look, this happened. I don't know if it had any impact on anything, but. I'm just going to tell you the truth of what happened. So that's why I told the story. And uh, Jim sent me a copy of the book, and he wrote in there. He said, hey, I told it with all the humility that you told me. I think you'll like how it came out. So I was a little nervous about talking about that. But, uh, yeah, I thought he did a great job. Well, give it, give us the short version of, of just when you noticed them and, and how much selling you actually did. Yeah, sure. So uh, – you know, leading up to the draft, I was the offensive quality control guy, which means I'm the low guy on the totem pole. I was in my fifth year, and I was hanging out with Tim Lewis and Willie Robinson, our defensive coaches, and they said, hey, you got to take a look at this kid. So they show his workout tape, and it's everything that you guys know Troy to be. He was unbelievable. They, they worked him out at corner, linebacker, safety. And for the Steelers – uh, I thought for three years in a row, they were able to fill their greatest need with maybe the greatest player to ever play that position, which obviously went Ben, then it went Troy, and then really Heath Miller is just a, was a phenomenal talent. But So in 03, we really needed a safety. So then we have mock draft day, which I say in the book is like Christmas. I mean, I love mock drafts. I love the draft. And they go through all those scenarios. And, again, Kevin Colbert just does such a great job. They go through all these scenarios, and they say, okay, they usually get it, like, within five picks. And they say, okay, with these five still on the board, do we like this? Would we trade up? Would we trade down? Of these five, who would we take, you know, et cetera, just for preparation? So we go for a couple hours. And at the end of it, Dick Hoke, our running backs coach, will always do the last one. So that year – Kevin got up and said, Dick, go ahead. Why don't you put yours up? And Dick said, no, nah, I don't, I don't, I didn't do one this year. You guys, you guys have it covered. And Kevin was like, ah, Dick, come on, you're killing me. And so everybody laughed and he looked around the room and he said, Miller, I know you have one. So I said, yeah, I've got several. He said, well, come on, put it up. Well, just about 10 minutes before that, we were in a scenario where Troy Polamalu was available at the Jets were picking 22. And the front table with all the big wheels at it had said that we would not trade up to get Troy. 
And, again, everybody in the draft room, everybody that's with the Steelers, the scouts, the coaches, even Mr. Rooney was popping in and out. Anybody that's anybody with football was in this room. And I'm just a quality control guy. And when he had me come up and t- uh, to do my mock draft, I thought, well, you know, here it is. You either believe in this or you don't. <laughs> so I go up there and I, they're putting up all the names as I'm calling them out. Like Bengals take this guy, Carolina takes this guy. So we get down to 22 and I said, the New York Jets select. And I said, oh, wait a minute, they don't select. They actually got a call from Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers who will trade up to the Jets at 22, and we will select safety Troy Polamalu from USC. And Coach Cower kind of, <laughs> I want to say glared at me, but he kind of looked at me and said, Gave you, the you are aware that, yeah, he said, you are aware that five minutes ago we said we would not do that, right? And I said, yeah, I'm aware of that, Coach. I said, congratulations, Kevin. You just drafted a Hall of Famer. And I started walking to my chair, and, you know, the room kind of went, ooh. And uh, he said, well, wait, aren't you going to finish up the rest of the draft? I said, no, we got the best player on the board. We're good. So I went and sat down. That was it. And the scouts were really good about it. You know, they were like, hey, man, I really took some guts. Good job. But I went back to my office, and some coaches who I will not name – really getting on me telling me like hey, you're crazy you just showing how stupid you are you don't know what you're doing and i said what are you talking about they said you would never trade up for a safety and i said have you guys seen this guy's film because i watched every game and they're like it doesn't matter you don't game plan for safeties and they said there's only <laughs> one safety you would ever trade up for and that's ronnie lott i guess you're saying this guy's going to be as good as ronnie lott I said, no, I'm saying he's going to be better than Ronnie Lott. And they were like, oh, now he's better than Ronnie Lott. And I said, look, this guy will revolutionize the position. He will be a perennial pro bowler by his second year. He's going to be an all-pro. Oh, now he's a pro bowler. This guy, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. So I got mad, and I left. And the next morning, I come in for the draft, and I went upstairs, and those same coaches were like, well, I hope you're happy. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, like, you don't know. I said, no, I just got here. They said, well, talk about impact. We're not trading up to 22. We're trading up to 16 to get your boy. And I'm like, pull them all up. They're like, yeah, I'm like, yes. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, as it goes, the next year, <laughs> obviously, Troy makes the Pro Bowl in his second year. And I made sure to speak to these coaches. Most <laughs> <laughs> conveniently forgot all about it actually and i said well how convenient <laughs> you don't remember i'm an idiot i don't know what i'm doing i embarrassed myself you don't game plan for safeties so anyway uh that's the short of it uh it was a really cool moment that kevin colbert allowed me to have and, uh you know the rest is history but really the thing that i left after the 03 year to go to the buffalo bills uh with mike malarkey so I was only with Troy that rookie year, and I would kind of keep tabs on him, still talking to my friends at the Steelers. But as it goes, and everyone knows, he's ten times the person that he is the player, which is really the most special thing about him. I mean, he's just an unbelievable human being, and I think I even said in the book, 
he's really the guy that you would want to be the face of your team as well as really the face of your community. And so to fill the greatest need you needed with uh, that type of player and person, you know, it's really a special opportunity. Mike, that's so awesome. It really, it, I, I, I was unaware of that aspect and your involvement. And it just adds to what I already loved about the story, knowing that you're a plum native. Then you have the guy from Upper St. Clair banging the phones in Doug Whaley, working for yeah. a guy from the north side in Kevin Colbert to draft a player <laughs> for a team being coached by, you know, from Crafton. I right. mean, this the only way this could have been more Pittsburgh is if Troy was actually from Troy Hill. I mean, this is that's that's what I love about the Steelers, man. I mean, this this story is incredible. Yeah, you know what? It was kind of a fun deal. And when you, you used to look around and you'd see all those guys, and it's a special thing about uh, the Roonies and uh, certainly the Steelers where you have all these Pittsburgh guys in there. And there's just really is a special chemistry that comes about with a situation like that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, those are always fun. And, of course, the rivalries of our hometowns and things like that. But, yeah, you're right, Bill. That, that really <laughs> does make, uh, make the story. Mike, I don't want to uh, bring up a, a, a painful memory, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, this... Thanks. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> but, and here's the reason I do it. I actually picked you guys to beat the Steelers in that Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still taking crap for that, not surprisingly. And the big play to Larry Fitz, I thought you had him. Did you think so? Um, well, I'm just going to say this. Don't think you're not the only one that still takes back over that game, Mike. <laughs> uh, but you can tell them when I tell them we had 500 yards of offense in the game. So, and we only had six plays in the first quarter and nine plays in the third quarter. But give, to give the Steelers credit, as I said, they won the game. Uh, which player are you, you, you talking about the interception? No, I'm, I'm saying after the touchdown to Fitzgerald to put you guys ahead, I thought that was it. And then Ben Roethlisberger had other uh, ideas but i'm wondering I mean, if felt, like what was your team's react did you think you you were on the cusp or were you still concerned that there was too much time left you know what i don't know so much about the time we're just concerned about big number seven uh anytime that guy has even five seconds left on the clock he's got a chance to make something happen and by no means did anybody think oh we've got this in the bag or uh in fact it's quite the opposite i mean uh, it was so intense, and you know, Ben Roethlisberger is certainly one of the best to ever play, and was in his prime for sure. And you know, they, they deserve the win. They did a great job, executed when they needed to, and he's made a career of that. But yeah, no, he's uh, we we certainly were <laughs> we we weren't relaxing. That's for sure. Mike, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Mike, former Steelers assistant, who was, I, I, you know, a big proponent of of drafting Troy Polamalu. Instrumental, you could say. Uh, yeah, you could you could go that far. <laughs> and of course, Troy that. being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. So, uh, Mike, longtime friend of the DVE Morning Show, appreciate you joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks, guys. You guys take care. And Labs, uh, you know, since that interview aired. And uh, before Troy was inducted into the Hall of Fame this week, and our buddy Rick Goslin presented his notes on uh, the 2003 draft and when the Steelers took Troy Polamalu. And what Rick does, he used to work for the Dallas Morning News and basically, in my opinion, at least owned pre-draft coverage. He went back and got all the uh, the unnamed sources to, to tell him 
what they were thinking. He kept his notes from the time, and people either loved Troy Polamalu or they were terrified he'd get hurt because of the way he played, and they thought him a poor risk because of that. Yeah, and there were there were also um, some people who were maybe not specifically saying it the same way, but the way Mike Miller kind of related that you don't do this with a safety. You don't. That that's not a position. Of, of tremendous value, um, but that that's, uh, shows that the short-sightedness of, you know, people tried to put him in a box and assume that he would be the kind of safety that what it was always the kind of safety. Uh, couldn't see beyond that, and, um, you know, uh, sometimes you got to color outside the lines a little bit. And so, um, yeah, you know, reading Rick Goslin's stuff, to me, it's, it's it's truly fascinating. I give Goose so much credit for doing all of that work. But what it tells me is is that there are as many people in the league who have jobs who are as wrong as me and you. And that and it's not so much that they're incompetent as it is the draft really is a crapshoot. Yeah. It really is. It's not easy. No. And the longer you're in the business uh, in terms of being a decision maker for a team and making picks, uh, the better chance you have to be wrong. And, you know, your kind of average, I think, is going to, um, you know, end up being close to 500. You know, you you get as many as you don't. And um, so that's why, you know, I always have a lot of respect for the guys who, you know, put their neck on the line to make these picks. But, you know, Troy Polamalu was one of those guys that um, if you – bang on the table for him as as the cliche goes uh that time you ended up to be right in a big big time way we've got a lot more to get to tonight before uh we get out of here at nine o'clock so keep it right here with bob labriola i am mike pursuta you're listening to the second of our three steelers training camp specials coming at you live tonight from the rivers casino this is dve rocks on your steelers flagship 102.5 dve Back to DVE Rocks live from training camp presented by FedEx and brought to you in part by Lecom, Bud Light, Excella Health, Ford, and Ireland Contracting on 102.5 DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Bob Labriola with you tonight from Rivers Casino until 9 o'clock. It is DVE Rocks, the second of our three training camp specials. We'll be coming at you a week from tomorrow night for the third and final edition. Lab, I wanted to... Uh, Shift our discussion to the coaching staff. Now there have been some changes, uh, some people brought in, some some reassigning, and uh, I'm curious uh, if you have any thoughts on what kind of impact uh, some of the new brooms may have this season. Let's start with uh, the new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Do you think it's going to be subtle or spectacular in terms of how different it actually looks? Um. Well, I, I think it's definitely going to be more than subtle. You know, spectacular, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would go that far, but um, I, I think that it's going to be noticeable, certainly. Uh, and it's going to be noticeable uh, regardless of how successful it is, it is or is not. Um, you know, I don't, um, I don't really know. I can't really predict... Uh, at least I'm not comfortable right now predicting how successful it is going to be. I think that uh, one of the 
in my mind at least, one of the critical elements of the Matt Canada philosophy or system or, you know, whatever way you want to put it, is going to be the way, you know, people talking a lot about the motion and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, putting Ben under center more. But I think one of the things that I am most interested in seeing how and if it works is the way that some of that contributes to creating angles and opportunities for the offensive linemen to make blocks to open up the running game. I do not believe anymore that it's possible in the NFL for one team, one offensive line, to be able to dominate a defense week in and week out by rooting guys out, you know, of the hole, uh, just moving them from move point A, a to, to point B, B against, against their, their will consistently because uh, beyond the fact that, you know, that is extremely difficult, and as they say, the other team gets paid too, um, officials won't allow that to happen. They just won't. Um, you know, I – and, you know, this is somewhat of a unpopular um, opinion maybe, but – that's not good TV, and so I just believe that uh, the league is not going to allow one NFL team to just dominate ground and pound an opponent um, week in and week out because people turn off the TV. They just will. And so I, I think that running the football is still important in the NFL, critical to winning, but you have to find ways to do it uh, within the context and the realities of the way the sport is played and legislated, you know, in this era. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking to see whether Matt Canada's, you know, and I don't know if it's outside zone, inside zone. I mean, you need Wolfley and those people to really get down and dirty into the film study of a lot of this stuff. But you can't create movement with your offense that forces the defense to move that create some blocking angles and things of that nature that are um, helpful and conducive to helping the offense get the job done in terms of running the football. So if Matt Canada's schemes can help that to happen, you have Ben Roethlisberger as the quarterback. I think that you know he doesn't need a lot of help uh, in terms of creating openings for receivers and then delivering the football to them. Um, I, th I think that the offense can improve in the areas that it needs to improve uh, in order to be a unit that is capable of supporting uh, a contending team. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of interested in the uh, amount of two-back stuff we've seen, and I'm not just talking the old traditional put the fullback in and run well, behind the fullback. I was back. just going to say, because that's the when you're talking about two-back, what fans of, think of is yeah. Rocky and Franco, and that's not happening. I'm talking about uh, number 26 out on the wing, number 22 out on the wing, number 44 playing more of a tight end position. Yeah, but, because those guys can't block me. Yeah, but I think the the potential for the running backs to catch passes this year I think is going to be pretty interesting because not just as a check down but, uh, or a fail safe, but uh, Najee Harris is, got a lot of Le'Veon Bell-like tendencies and then he can go out there and actually run routes and he can catch the ball. And I think that creates a whole bunch of options 
um, not beyond the you know the traditional Matt Canada jet sweep misdirection stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and um, you know I agree. Um, I do see the same uh, in Najee Harris as you do. You know, a lot of times when people talk about you know a running back who's a who, who's a receiver, you know they're talking about him running three yards beyond the line of scrimmage, turn around, you throw the ball into his chest, yeah. catch a lob, and he falls forward yeah. for a yard or two, and that's it. But no, he can actually run patterns, catch the ball with his hands. Um, I don't. I, I'm not going to go so far as to compare Najee Harris's receiving skills to that of a wide receiver's receiving skills in terms of running patterns and catching the ball. But he is more than just a checkdown guy, and as a result, uh, opposing defenses are going to have to account for him, and they're going to have to account for him with players or schemes that recognize that he is more than just a check down guy and you know that could open up things uh other things for other players as well so yeah i'm i'm a little bit intrigued by this uh two back uh things that we're seeing but again i'm just cautioning steelers fans it's not franco and rocky no they're not going to be two guys behind the quarterback out of the uh, under center you know one guy leads the other guy for blocking or that kind of stuff because that's not that's not what we're talking about, um, but it might open up a role for Anthony McFarland, who I think is a guy that a lot of people probably saw in very limited uh, opportunity last year and said, "Okay, can't play, bad pick." Couldn't yeah. catch the pass against the Washington game. Next, um, you mean this guy might have a role? You mean to tell me that Steelers fans are jumping to conclusions? I mean to tell you that very thing, yeah. Um, but I also do believe that. Uh, uh, Anthony McFarlane is not Najee Harris in terms of being a feature back. He never will be a feature back in the NFL. And uh, understanding that he's a complimentary piece and utilizing him appropriately and him understanding that he's a comp- complimentary piece and should accept uh, that kind of role, I think all of those are critical elements to really making this successful. But it can happen, uh, as you describe. And um, because, again... Uh, the tight ends are not blockers, and so you cannot expect, you know, to line up and play power football. Well, that, got, that gets us to our next uh, new new kid in town, Alfredo Roberts. He's I mean, David Copperfield. Through uh, Eric Ebron, he said they're going to be badass, and they're going to block yeah, badass well, and <laughs> run badass routes and as, score on people in badass as fashion. I, as I just sarcastically referred to him as David Copperfield, all due respect, to Alfredo Roberts, he's going to need to be able to make magic uh, for those guys to be able to um, be what um, I won't use that. Can you say that on the air? That uh, Eric Ebron description? Yeah, I just did. Okay. Well, hey, you know, I didn't know if uh, you're you're you. I'm just me. Yeah. Uh, but no, those tight ends are not badasses. They're not. Uh, I think that a lot of them have abilities that not even big blue. <laughs> you mean the ex-quarterback? Yeah, yeah. Um, Talking about Zach Gentry, who might. And, and again, I, I don't um, call us Big Blue. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to disparage any of these guys, but I think that it's important uh, in the reality of it is to understand what they are and what they are yeah. not. And you know, I think uh, Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth, the rookie, could, you know, become something approaching a Heath Miller in the sense of being a a good two-way tight end, but he's not that right now. 
And every and I know that because every time he lines up opposite Alex Highsmith, it's brutal. It's brutal. Well, how about, uh, not to interrupt you, but Highsmith has gone from a guy who was a third-round pick from a relatively small conference they were hoping could be a complimentary contributor to the guy they line up against, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, this year's prize picks, and say, show these kids how it's done. I mean, this, this guy. In one to, year. This guy, to me, is the star of this training camp. Uh, every Certainly time I watch list. him, yeah. uh, he is he never disappoints. He is always um, making plays in practices and competition periods. Um, to me, that there there is, uh, you know, when he was drafted, the general idea behind the pick was that we're picking this guy as a likely hedge against losing Bud Dupree as an unrestricted free agent. That happened. Uh, Bud Dupree did leave as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, and Alex Highsmith is, I mean, he is a, he's a starter. Uh, I like the addition of Melvin Ingram III, but what Alex Highsmith has shown and done to this point allows the Steelers to use Ingram in the perfect way. He's, a, he's an older guy. He had some knee injury history. They can play him 20 snaps a game maybe. He can play both sides. And he can be a great complement to the two starting outside linebackers. And Alex Highsmith is definitely one of those. We've got a lot more to get to tonight, so uh, keep it right here. Or better still, if you're in the area, come on down to the Rivers Casino. There is uh, a lot to grab your attention here. Uh, Maybe play a game, watch one on TV, grab a drink. Uh, The possibilities are endless down here on the North Shore. Uh, With Bob Labriola, I'm Mike Pursuta. We're going to be here from the Rivers Casino until 9 o'clock tonight. This is DVE Rocks Training Camp right here on your Pittsburgh Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE.